welcome to On the Wreck Yard. I'm Marcy. And I'm and this the Tucci. Is... <laughs> <laughs> the Tucci. <laughs> the Tucci. Yes, we Tucci. are here on the Wreck Yard, a women's prison podcast, and we are talking about prison bullies today. Ooh. Ooh. Now, you picked this topic, Jennifer, so it makes me think you have something in mind. Well, you know, um, I think when you think about the hard times, you know, and, and I always don't want to talk about the hard times. I want to talk about community and, and the great things that we experience together um, as a community. But I, I think it's interesting. Um, some of the, the harder times that I had, especially when I was younger, was being bullied. Like, that's real. Like, I tell people, and this is kind of not to be, you know, silly, but when you think of a women's prison, think of a really dangerous, mean, violent high school, right? Like that's what I compare it to. Uh, and, and that's not to simplify it. It's just to kind of bring that um, sense of mean girls and bullying and cliques and, and it all kind of goes hand in hand. And, and that's what makes it so unique, I think. So, yeah, I thought I it would be- hit the nail. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head when you said like a, a violent, mean girls type high school scene. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I have a little clip and I just was, want to play it real quick. And it is what I feel like people think prison bully is. So this is what I think. Okay, so like the stereotypical what? Jeez. Look, she got pretty little shoes on. Give my shoes up to your bitch. Good girl, good girl. Like glasses too. Yeah, that's just one more thing. One more for me. Cheers. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. So, and and I and I've never been to a men's prison. Right. You know, and this very well may be something an actual scene out of a men's prison but for sure not something i ever witnessed right what about no <laughs> right no i think you 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 captured it there like that is probably what intimidation and bullying looks like on a men's unit it's very with all with i, I think a lot of things with the male experience is very overt it's very aggressive in in in, in your face and clear right? Women, we would never, I mean, I guess some people would, but the, the consistent bullying that happens with women, it, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. It's a sneakier technique. Yeah. That women yeah. Oh, yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, and I, <laughs> I wish I could with, it might be, you know, copyrighted it, but I don't want us to get blocked, but if people could think of this, the opening scene in Carrie, right? And this really dates me because this is back in the 70s, but there was a remake. Um, when Carrie, poor Carrie, is having her menstrual cycle for the first time in the shower. And what are all the women doing? They're, oh, look at it. Oh, and they're throwing tampons at her hey, hey, and making fun of her. That, that reminds me a lot of the aggressive bullying that happens with girls and women. You know what I mean? What do you, what do you think? What, what in your experience, because again, Mountain View and Lane Murray are very different. <laughs> so. For sure. For sure. I, I actually, my first physical altercation was over a prison bully type moment. Um, and I found a clip. <laughs> I oh, play. yeah, let's see it. Let's see it's it. like six seconds, though. Let's do it. Move it, Ace. That's my spot. That's my spot, too. <laughs> right? <laughs> so basically, it's like the newer guy on the prison rec yard, actually, and he goes to sit down, and somebody's like, uh uh. That's my spot. And he tries to sit somewhere else. And he's like, huh? -uh. I, I lived that moment. <laughs> I lived that, Jennifer. Um, I lived that in 
F dorm on the Lang Murray mm. unit. And it was the old schools had their seats. And uh, by old schools, I don't mean by age. I mean, people that had been there the longest. Right. Um, or had bigger sentences. And I went to sit down, not even knowing what was on the TV. I mean, I, it's maybe I'm two weeks in maybe. <laughs> yeah. And I go to sit down and um, somebody comes right away. Uh-uh, that's, that's my seat. And I, oh, oh, here's me. Oh, I apologize. I'm sorry. Let me, let me move. Right. And so I scoot over on the same bench, but scoot over about three seats. And she's like, uh-uh, you didn't hear me. And she, she called me out. She got, so called me out might be prison term. And so I'm going to try to <laughs> clarify that, but she tried to punk me, right? you know, right. and she, you know, you want, you want to hit the showers. And that means that's the place off camera in that dorm where you go to fight. And, um, I'm, I didn't know how to react. I didn't know mm -hmm. how to act, but I went back to my cubicle and let that fester in me. Mm -hmm. And I thought I'm going to hit this bitch. That's what I thought, <laughs> right, you know, right. <laughs> and yeah. as wrong as that, wrong as that mentality is, but I felt so degraded and belittled. And it's not that I, part of me felt like I needed to prove myself, mm -hmm. but um, at this point I had, I had been in one fight in County jail. Um, and that was the only fight my entire life. You know, yeah. I, it's not that I went into prison just fighting. So uh, anyways, I let that fester and I put my hair up and went to the shower area and told my bunkie, go tell her I'm ready when she's ready. And I'm secretly praying, please don't let her come. <laughs> like, please just let her stay. Right. Let her, let her roll her eyes, you know, but, but she came and we fought and it was it wasn't neither one of us got beat up it was a it was a few hits and i guess that was enough for us both to feel like we did something and that mm -hmm. was the end of it you know nothing ever came after that um and as horrible as it sounds in that environment i i felt a little empowered by that mhm mm yeah well, and I think it's like when, when we talk about bullying, um, it, all bullying is a power play, right? Like I can, it is a little bit different in, like I was thinking as we were, you know, talking about this topic and, you know, as a kid in junior high, um, in high school, I was bullied a lot, like a lot for, for being a lesbian, right? So, and this was rural East Texas and uh, girls were catty and mean, you know, people wrote my name on the wall with dyke and, you know, it was just absolutely miserable, horrible and cruel. Um, but, but in the sense that when I got to prison, the bullying was a little different. It's like you, it's like you described, right? It's, it's more of a power dynamic than just a sense of, of cruelty. Um, where did you go? I'm with you, girl. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to turn on. I don't know what I did. Like, I don't know what happened. I'm sorry, y'all. And I still don't know what I did. I still don't know what the problem is. So I, it's going to be a horrible lighting for just a minute. Uh, unless, unless, unless you just let me talk to you and fix it. Yeah, go I ahead. That's, that that's cool. Um, oh, I see what happened. And I, I think the, the bullying in, in prison, whether it's men or women, um, even though it plays out differently, this is more of power plays. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, I remember when I was at Lane Murray when I was a kid and I was on the host squad and it was unmerciful. Like, you know, they pushed me around. They talked crazy to me. Um, I was little tiny, you know, I was 18 and scared and, um, weak and out there on those fields, you know how it is. And those girls were merciless. <laughs> I mean, pushing me around, get out of my way and just horrible. I'd go back to F dorm and cry 
and just pray and cry. Um, you know, and, and throughout the years when those things happened, I learned, well, you better stand up for yourself. If you don't stand up for yourself, this is a test of power. And everybody on the unit is going to start walking all over there. Everybody's going to start treating you like this if you don't respond. Um, and you do. Like, I remember instances like thinking just like you did. Like when I got locked back up again and went to Mountain View and somebody did challenged me in front of the whole dorm when we, the whole dorm, both sides, when we were turning out for chow. And, um, she got in my face and, you know, I do, I look depressed and sad, you know, and that's why you always tell people, look, walk with confidence, like this detours bullies. And, um, I had asked her a question. She said, man, somebody get this punk ass bitch out of my face. And I said, and I was, I knew Marcy, right? Like if I don't do something now, 60 women, and I'm new to the unit, they're going to know that they can do this to me and it could get extremely worse and violent and people steal my stuff and all of a sudden. And so the culture trains you to respond with violence, with aggression. You have to go a notch higher. And I remember just but like, and I'd been real quiet to myself and just sad and depressed. And people didn't know that I'd done time before. They didn't know me there. And I just, I mean, it was like a light switch. Boom. And I roasted that woman to, nose to nose. And I said, hit me, motherfucker, if you want to. And everybody was just like, what's happening? And I had a, a, a lady that had done a lot of time. She grabbed my um, arm and she goes, come here, come here, come here, come here with me. And I cussed that woman out all the way to the chow hall, at the table, and back to the dorm. And I said, we can take care of it. It's not a problem. You know, and of course, learning that power dynamic and structure, and, and we can do a, a podcast just on that, right? Like, I had already aligned myself with women that I knew had done a lot of time there. 20 and 30 years, right? So they already liked me. So when I walked in, and I tell them what happened. The girl that punked me or tried to came running. Up, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Crying. I shouldn't have done that. And then when I went to wreck, it was all over the wreck yard. This little scrawny uh, lady that just got on the unit just challenged one of the biggest bullies and didn't get busted. In. But the whole time I was thinking what you were thinking, dear God, please save me. <laughs> please don't let this happen. Um, please just let, I'm going to call her bluff. And sometimes that's enough, but it is a power dynamic because if you hadn't have done that and I'm not advocating for, obviously I'm not advocating for violence, but it bullying in prison requires a strong, firm response, or you're going to get victimized. Well, I've, I've said before that prison is an environment that Violence is the appropriate answer and the expected answer right? sometimes. And so it's a completely different mindset and completely different um, community standards of behavior in there. So, yeah, it, it was it was something I feel like. I became a bully. Mm -hmm. Now, why do you say that, Marcy? And and it <laughs> you share what you want to share, but what what are like walk us through the mindset and the behavior that you feel like that began to change? Um, <clears throat> I really adapted to the environment in there quickly. I um, clicked up quickly um, with who I thought the cool kids were, you know, um, similar to, to you, old schools, people that had done a lot of time, people that had more serious sentences often. Um, I don't think I was a bully in the aspect that I was feared or something like that or, or, respected or, you know, nothing like Wentworth top dog situation, nothing like that. But I definitely had my moments. I had lots of roommates um, 
that I definitely bullied Jennifer. I had a roommate that had a problem. She was severely depressed. So she didn't shower. She didn't get out of her bed. You know, she was top bunk. And um, in there, you were so ostracized for not showering every day. Um, and then you were also ostracized if your roommate didn't, if mm -hmm. you allowed that to happen. Right. And so I felt like, um, I don't know, there, <sighs> Jennifer, like no walking in the cell with your shoes on. Mm -hmm. You know, so there was a situation that I said, if you, I, I told her, if you walk in the cell one more time with your shoes on, your shoes are going out the window. And I went to showers and I didn't even see it. I didn't even see her do it. Somebody on the run yelled out, Marcy, your roommate's got her shoes on. And I went back from my shower and she was up there in her bunk and I grabbed her shoes off the end of her bunk. And she said, please, please don't. And I threw them out the window. For what? Like, that's a complete jerk bully move. That's a bully move. And do you... Well, it's, it's like a cultural norm that this is expected behavior, right? But do you, do you feel like that comes from, again, power structures and peer pressure um, to conform to that, right? Because it's like, okay, here's the deal. This is my cell and I've been here in this room longer than you, so it's mine. <laughs> and when you walk in here, you're going to take your shoes off because in prison, again, it's, it's this whole, it, and when we talk about prison being its own culture, it is, it has its own norms. It has its own rules. It has its everything just like society out here. Um, and out here, it could mean nothing to walk into somebody's house with their shoes on for us. And well, it's still residue for me. Um, don't you disrespect me. Uh, this is disrespect, like a strong sense of disrespect. So when I tell you you're not coming in this room, which it's both of our rooms, right? It's not just mine, but there is this sense of territory and protecting. It, that's a huge thing, right? Women territorial with their jobs, with their space, because we had so little under our control. So you take them, you, you don't take your shoes off. I'm going to throw them out the window. Or somebody worse and, and violent prone would have beat her in her sleep. You know what I mean? And it, I think it comes from a, a place of power, right? Because it was disrespectful. When she did that, what did that sig signal to you in your mind? You disrespected me. Control right? or disrespect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Both of those things. Control and the need to feel respected or be respected. Um, I have more roommate stories. I was really rough on my roommates. If, if, I didn't have a roommate that was pretty like-minded as me as far as hygiene and cleanliness, because that's all we have in there. Mm -hmm. You guys, if you could see my bedroom right now. You would know that that's, it's not me. It's literally just the only things that we can control right now. I have piles of paperwork on my desk that need to be addressed. It's, it's not, um, it's, it's not the way I am. It's the way I am in prison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think there were people that bullied just because they felt insecure and they probably bullied people. Honey, your dog sounds like a little child. They were outside. I don't know how they got in. <laughs> like I was almost concerned. Is, is that a little human yelling? <laughs> um, no, it, it just was like, it, that was, kind of startling. It didn't sound like a, a puppy. Um, kind of scared me for a minute, <laughs> but everybody's fine. Um, no. So I, I think there were some people that did that just to be cruel because maybe that's how they grew up or their personality or, or, or what have you. But I, I think the majority of bullying came from a sense of power and control, you know, and, and the cultural norms there. So with that said, let me play this little clip. And it is okay. from Orange is the New Black. It's my last clip. Okay, no, <laughs> yeah, it, let's it's do it. It's along lines with what you just said. 
Nope. Air. Your shoes can't go on that float, Scarfy. They're shoes. I'm aware, but you live on the top box. The floor is a part of the bottom box. Count time, ladies. Let's move it. So I'm supposed to what? Hang shit off the ceiling? You're free to do whatever you want with the ceiling. <laughs> and that's definitely the move of anybody new coming in. I mean, whether you're in a cell situation or a dorm situation, there are rules that are already in place. Yeah, it, well, I want I want to make a side note that when people complain that Orange is the New Black is not at all like the experience of women's prison, I beg to differ. Now, some of it's kind of Hollywoodish, right? And it's certainly the conditions are not like Texas where you're dying in the heat, but the dynamics and the power structures and the relationships is spot on. It's always been spot on for me. Um, and this is a clear example of it. So if this had been you, the lady that was wearing the the hijab, I believe, if someone had done that to you, when you first came to prison, what would you have done? When, when I first came to prison, I probably would have not put my shoes on the floor, honestly, especially if it wasn't like a whole lot of onlookers you know, because I, I'm still trying to avoid confrontation um, and not secure with my place there. Mm -hmm. Two now, years later, it would have been different. <laughs> uh, so two years later into your sentence. It, well, let's even go further. Um, eight years into your sentence. Whoa. Eight years into my sentence. Yeah. What, oh, what would it have been? Yeah. Um, well, now, Lane Murray, there's cameras everywhere. And so if I'm on camera, I'm going to be smiling and I'm going to look at her and tell her that she's lost her mind trying to yeah. tell me where I can put my belongings. And that's going to be the end of it right then. And if she goes to the sink area off camera to wash her hands, if she goes to the corner of the dorm where the camera doesn't hit, I'm, I'm, I'm coming for her. I'm coming yeah. for Jennifer. Yeah, you know, Marcy, and this is again a, a whole everything interweaves into each other, like bullying and power structures and violence, and and it goes to a broader discussion about violence, right? And both of us do a lot of work in spaces that want healing and restorative justice and to, um, because we know the damage that violence has created in our lives. And it's really hard to look at that in a prison culture and not, there's this tug of war sometimes with me. That's like, I, I don't believe in violence. I it's created harm. It's, um, created so many disastrous outcomes in my life and my childhood. But in that setting, which we want to abolish prisons, right? Like that would fix it. Um, but in those settings, it's almost impossible to avoid in terms of survival. And, and, and that's sad. And, it, and, and I'm not saying it's okay whatsoever, right? But you watch the women that don't stand up for themselves, right? Which standing up for yourself in prison very much includes the threat of violence. Um, whether it actually happens and you call their bluff like I did, or whether you take it to the shower or off camera, right? It's necessary, the threat of it, at least. And who I am now, who you are now, like, how do we, how do we translate that to the women that we still know that are incarcerated? Like, I don't want to be a hypocrite and, and, and I can't, you know, I, well, I'll use this example. So I had a friend that was um, at a particularly bad unit and uh, she was in SEG for Something had happened. They'd accuse the chapel of stealing or whatever. Put them in eggs. So she's in seg. 
of no fault of her own, just bullshit, right? And she went to the shower and one of the seasoned <laughs> or the long-termers uh, that, that stays in SAG frequently, the officer just lets them come and go out of their cells, right? Because you're cool with the officer like that. Goes into her cell, steals all of her stuff, all of it. And she's like, I don't know what to do. What, what do I need to do? Like, I can't like, and she's asking me for advice. And I said, you just take it, <laughs> go back to population. And, and there are times that you have to choose what battles you even want to engage with. But the old Jennifer that was raised by the Texas Youth Commission and TDCJ would have a very, like it's automatic that sensation. And um, it's in complete defiance of what I believe in and how I try to live my life now. So how would you have responded to that? You know, it, it, how would you have responded to, to your friend looking for that advice? If one of my friends that was still incarcerated told me that someone had come in her cell and stole a lot of her stuff, my first instinct would be to catch her off camera. That would be my first instinct. I would hope that I would have a moment of clarity. Now, I haven't been home as long as you, so give me a little bit of grace. Um, but that's a tough one. That's really a tough one. I mean, if, if something crazy happened and I went back to prison and three months from now, I'm locked up and somebody steals from me, what would I do? How would I handle that? I, I don't think I can say that I wouldn't fight behind that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's the, the inner conflict I always have with the person that I've become, you know, because I know, I know what it feels like to be bullied as a kid and how much rage that created and played a, it played its little role uh, in what happened. Um, but remembering how I was bullied in prison when I was younger and how my emotional survival and very much my physical, all of us, our physical survival, you know, because a fight can go bad instantly and have outcomes nobody ever anticipated. Um, and not believing in it, but having been so immersed in it and i think that's the challenge for people that that have experienced so much violence right it's 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 hard to say like i i don't know i don't know what the answer is you want to say the answer is don't don't just ignore it just walk off just disengage and it's like and they will come for the rest of your stuff for the entire time you're there and then they may try to take from your body. And that's real. And, and it happens in a different way than it does men. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's hard. It should be easy, but it's, it's not. And, and I think sometimes, um, people that have never quite experienced that and, and they also believe in restorative practices. Sometimes it feels almost, um, I don't want to say like fantasy, like, but kind of like living in the clouds, like but you really don't understand what violence does to a person, both as a victim and a perpetrator, you know? What about, what about bullies in relationships? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> like, I think that's a whole nother episode, right? Like toxic prison relationships. Yes, Christina knows you have to be prepared at every moment to respond to being challenged. Um and, and again, it's, it's a reactive thing. I don't think any of us that, that know each other were, um, went in like that. 
you know what I mean? Anything that we did was reactive. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 and bullying in relationships is is a whole other thing, right? Because it's it's toxic, it's abuse, it's domestic violence. But whether people want to call it that or not, it is. Absolutely. Have you ever seen, um, have you ever witnessed someone being bullied into a relationship? Because that's a question I get a lot. People want to know, are you forced oh. into lesbian? Do they make you gay? Do they make you God. be in a relationship? God bless. Um, <laughs> you know, I think people can feel peer pressured in any culture to behave to the cultural norms and standards. Um, I think it was really hard, uh, for women that, that did not want to participate in relationships to, to, to not fall victim to peer pressure. But in terms of what people are asking you, they're thinking of 1970s exploitation films of it's, it goes, God, Marcy, all of like the crap that we hear about the misconceptions about women's prisons, it it always is rooted in this male gaze of the fantasy of women in prison and sexy half naked chains and dominatrix officers. And right. it's like, have you ever seen the officers that are the girl, they're sitting up in the picket eating their donuts. Leave me alone. I don't want, no. <laughs> um, no, no, I have never seen that. I've seen people be victimized you know, in moments of violence, but in terms of, I made you my girlfriend, you're going to be my gr girl. I have never seen that. Never. <laughs> have you? Do, do you know, I feel like I have one time in 10 years. Um, definitely. It was not the normal. Definitely. People weren't, you're my girlfriend. Now I have dibs on you. You're mine. It definitely was not that. Um, it. But uh, I was in cell block and I lived in a corner cell and there was, so if, it, if it's a corner, I'm in a corner cell on one wall and the next cell that was a corner wall. Um, so I could see in partially to their cell and I could also hear what was going on and they were roommates. So one of the ladies that lived in that cell was an, an old school. She had been locked up 20 something years. Um, she had a very dominant behavior. She was, uh, you know, sh she was very, she was a dominant personality for certain. Her roommate was um, English, second language, meek, mild, mild. And um, I, I feel like they were in a relationship, but I, I feel like there was some bad pressure going uh -huh, on there. Uh -huh. Um, and it, it, I felt ugly about that situation. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely feel like she was being bullied and to the, to everything that happened in that relationship, um, sex, all of it. I feel uh -huh. like she was being bullied. Yeah, I do. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I've seen people who were really, really vulnerable um, not be able to articulate, you know, I don't, I don't want to be with you. I don't like you. I don't want to be your girlfriend. I don't want to do these things with you. Um, I, I mean, that does happen, right? But I, I think in the turn in the ways that people ask you on TikTok, that's not what they're they mean, right? Like they no. need something yeah. to. Uh, so were you ever scared that that you were gonna die or from from? I like this question. Um, from lack of medical care, and especially we're talking about bullying. Uh, did you ever? Were you ever in fear of that? Were you ever fear that somebody was gonna bully you or attack you? And you would die. I, I was trying to think like um, I did. I, I, I had a. When I first got to my intake unit, so it was like bunk beds. I'm in the bottom bed and the lady that lived catty cornered from me. Um, 
she was on the top bunk and she she despised me. She she definitely had some mental health issues for sure. Um, she would do things like uh, she would do things like um, she would stare down at me while I was combing my hair and say things like you could wake up one day and all that hair be gone. Yeah, she had blades. So this is something that happens, y'all. We take our razors apart and we use our blades for cutting to cook with. We use them to cut our hair. People that have haircuts like Tucci put that blade in the comb and fade their hair up. Um, we use them for sewing. I use them. I had one in my prison sewing kit that was hidden. I had one with my food items that was hidden. You know, we use them for a lot of things, but we, they're also used to intimidate. So she would keep it in the, her gum line, mm. a blade. Mm -hmm. She was one of those that you have never, I've never seen her act on anything, but knowing how she despised me and knowing that she kept a blade, I did have some fear sleeping in, in you know, sleeping in that sleeping in that bunk I did have I did have that fear you know not I don't know not enough where reasonably I thought she was gonna like in the middle of the night or something but I did think she could attack me in my sleep and it would be a fight mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, I can't really think of a time that I was scared that someone else I was incarcerated with was going to kill me. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like fight or cut my face or something. Um, and, and a lot of that time was because we, you know, there, as you know, there are a lot of um, people with mental health conditions that do not need to be there. Um, and I don't, I never got twisted up about like if, girl, we had one lady that was going cubicle to cubicle punching people in their head in their sleep uh one early morning and i just was laying in my bed i was like well i don't know what i'm gonna do when she gets to my cubicle i, I just don't know um but the you know the staff came before then i think my fear was from staff especially when i was in the youth system they are going to um sa me and strangle me right to hide it like that was a real fear um, and I feared the staff had, that way. Yeah. Even in TDCJ. Thing, mm -hmm. You had seen things and experienced enough that, that, that fear was validated. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that was the concern. And I, I wanted to get to that too, because yes, there were some bullies in prison and yes, there were bullying moments like what we described over um, day room seats over whose shower is right what, when right. Um, that kind of thing but they there were some bullies that uh, wore uh, this badge you know a TDCJ mm -hmm. badge those there were some real bullies that got paid to be there absolutely uh, and that that was real yeah and that's that a was. whole nother level of bullying right because uh, well, and it's abuse, right? Um, because at least, you know, the lady that won't move out of the seat and says the whole bench belongs to her. Um, no, we can talk about that, <laughs> right? Like, nah, <laughs> we're not going to do that. But when it's staff, there's very little you can do unless you want to take those consequences of getting a charge or something you're really just going to have to put up with it. And, and I think we talked about that uh, when last week, when we talked about strip searching, that's bullying and emotional abuse when you're standing there talking about my body. And, and you did a TikTok that really, girl, I was like, I am having some real moments listening to you, um, you know, be the, the correctional guard doing the strip because it was almost verbatim. It was al almost verbatim. Um, and that's bullying. It's intimidation and there's nothing that makes you feel more helpless uh, in prison than when you just have to take it from the staff. You just have to. Now, the, intentional, the mm -hmm. intentional intimidation 
intentional intimidation. I, I like this comment because she says going to prison literally terrifies me because life is so unpredictable. You could be doing one thing one day and, and be facing a charge the next, but that's how you feel in prison. That's, that's the feeling that you have in there. When you wake up, you're, you, whoever, whatever officer is coming into the pod, you know what kind of day it's going to be because your, your life inside of there is in their hands. They have control over everything, including your freedom. So if you have somebody that comes in as an aggressive bully that heckles, comes in and directly stirs up ugly emotions in everybody, it's going to be a rough day and you can't say much. You can't face those kind of bullies, right? Yeah. And, and, and the unpredictability, um, you, you know, and it, I don't sleep well to this day and it took me a long time to realize doing some, some research and stuff and working with some UT groups that were studying sleep deprivation for people who were formerly incarcerated and incarcerated ways that we can better sleep. And I always thought, well, you know, the lights come on, it's two o'clock in the morning. It's, you know, you feel crazy. And that does make, that's like, see, I'm coming up with all good topics for us. Uh, right. the, uh, well, we both are, I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, I realized that it was like, I never am fully asleep because of the unpredictability um, that, was just mentioned like because we can have a great time like i remember like at terrace marcy we were it was a very um quiet unit it's one of the smaller air conditioned units on crane so i felt very blessed to be there you know everything was very close together so it's really easy to get to stuff and we did peer education and very campusy like right and one morning out of nowhere there was a lady that she was, you know, she was an abuser in her relationship and she found out the girl was cheating on her or something. Got, got up, turned out for um, kitchen workers at 3.30, 2 o'clock when it was dark. Went left, came back and told the officer, I, I forgot to put my boots on. I had my tennis shoes. He did, He wasn't checking. He let her into the other side. He just knew that she had come and gone. He didn't realize he was letting her in the other side because he wasn't doing his job. And she went in, everybody was sound asleep. We're waking up to blood curdling screams because she has stabbed this woman in her sleep in the face, in the eye, like bad ambulance coming, like pure panic because this was serious. This wasn't just like, I beat you up in your sleep or whatever. That's startling enough, but real threat of danger. And it's like, like completely exactly what that comment was. Everything's going great. Boom. And so you live the rest of your life, even if you experience this for a week in jail or 10 years in prison. Um, and the longer you stay, the worse it gets is that it creates a hypervigilance and your stress hormones are just constantly out of control. I never sleep fully. I'm never rested because I'm constantly on the lookout for something to pop off. Um, and I'm watching and looking at people's patterns because, well, the, the girl that's a bully, she's starting to get antsy. She's starting to rock. She's starting to, oh, girl, I'm out of here. Um, you, because you try to minimize that unpredictability. This is not a bully move, but you made me think about people that are intentionally trying to get moved units or are having bad enough mental issues where they want they need to go to seg to solitary confinement they need to get away from everybody for a minute for whatever reason and they'll what did they do that's there's there's not a whole lot of random acts of violence in prison but in that scenario it definitely happens people just popping off hitting whoever's closest to them with whatever's in their hand mm-hmm it let's go back to the first video that you showed uh, where it was very much overt bullying. Like, give me that. Now you give me this or whatever. Um, and the ways that, that women can very covertly 
you know, with the shoes, you, you know, in, in the cell, like those are more overt things. But I think what we saw day to day was like the manipulative, very covert bullying, right? Like the, the, um, the, the quiet ways that happens in trying to uh, extort people or solicit people or get people's commissary or trick them. Um, and then it, it, because it, it goes back to that toxic relationship stuff, all the, the ways that an abuser uses tactics um, to abuse, that's what a bully does on the day to day, right? Like getting someone to buy stuff for them um, from commissary or take the things they have. Like they don't have to do what that guy did in that video, right? Because that's, right. that's too aggressive for women most of the time, right? It's more of a, I'm going to make friends with you. Um, then you're going to give me stuff. And if you don't, then I'm going to give you silent treatment for five days and I'm your only friend, right? And it's that weird psychological, and I say it all the time, like the ways that we really suffered were psychological abuse from staff, but the abuse from one another was also very psychological. Would, would you agree to that? Oh, sure. That's uh, That bullying via manipulation was a very real thing. Um, and intimidation factors the same way and not necessarily in a romantic relationship, but in a friendship um, where you're my, I'm your only friend. You don't know, you're, you don't, you're not going to go talk to them. You're not going to, what do you mean that you brushed your teeth at the same time as her? We mm -hmm. brushed our teeth at the same time. Um, and that same kind of mentality, those kind of women in prison present themselves as um, those kind of women in prison present themselves as aggressive, kind of aggressive to everyone. Like they would make you not want to talk. If someone was like that with you, Jennifer, I would be like, oh, I'm just not even going to mess with Jennifer because I'm not going to deal with so-and-so. Right. 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 It, it, you make a great point, Marcy. Like it's it's a way to isolate people, even in a place where it's almost impossible to be isolated. Right. Like, girl, <laughs> if I deal with Jennifer, we're going to have to deal with this person that is attached to her that 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 does that to keep other people away so she can continue to use Jennifer. Absolutely. And it's yeah. so, and, and, and I don't know, I guess men do this kind of stuff. Again, like you said earlier, we're not in men's prisons, but I don't hear men talk about that. There, would, we can't not talk about the Priya video in relations to bullying. <laughs> do you remember? Yeah. I wish that I had downloaded that. So definitely let's just, uh, briefly say that PREA is the Prison Rape Elimination Act. Um, there is an officer assigned, is it to every unit or mm -hmm. every couple units or every, so I, I definitely had an officer there assigned where I was on the Dr. Lane Murray unit. And um, she was a joke. I hope she's watching. <laughs> <laughs> she was a joke. Uh, she was a joke in that role. She was a bully. Our PREA yes officer who you should are supposed to go to if you are feeling scared uh girl yeah that's <laughs> i'm looking at christy's <laughs> so you make a this is good marcy um so you're right so priya sergeants at the units are supposed to be that go-to person when extortion solicitation bullying sexual harassment when any of that stuff that we're talking about happens Federal law mandates that there be this, this position and this program that you can go to. They'll put you in safekeeping, which nobody wants to do that because it's SIG, right? But there is supposed to be a process to remove you from that, to do an investigation. Um, and I would imagine, I would think, I've never heard men talk about the PREA office in the same way that we do. Like, they're like, yeah, that's, you know, it's associated with snitching, but you know, it, it serves a function, right? But all the women I know are like Priya at a women's unit. 
is a joke. Now, I believed in the principles because I was a peer educator and I really did believe in there needs to be a safe space and a way to change the culture of not reporting when you see people being bullied or, you know, sexual assault victims. But what we saw was just what you say. The safe prison sergeant, the that's what Priya is called in TDCJ, on women's unit, a lot of the times I've run across one or two that I worked with that were decent. But for the most part, they are themselves the bullies. They go beyond the scope of Priya. They terrorize people. They they take that position, even though they're just a sergeant, and, and use that in its broad powers to create havoc over petty, petty, petty bullshit. Our Priya officer, um, and she's not... I don't think she's the Priya sergeant anymore um, because we recently went back to that unit when uh, Brittany was visiting someone, but she, the Priya officer who was there when I was there, she, um, when she would walk in the dorm to make her rounds and generally she's looking for safety issues, Things that a pre officer might look at, bullies, you know, mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But do you know when she came in the building, we would yell, Code Red! <laughs> and everybody went to their cubicle and hid. We hid from this lady because she was so hateful and mean that any tiny, smallest thing, if you were in the restroom and your cubicle was not in compliance, when you had been sitting there doing your college work and you're, you know, she's in your cubicle, tearing your stuff apart, not only tearing your stuff apart, but verbally abusing you actually doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was absolutely the last person that you would want to go to. Absolutely. Right. Like, because you're not focused. And I think that goes to this weird thing um, that, on male units, you have to really take that stuff serious because it, it presents itself in a very physical, violent way where the women's unit, everything we've talked about is it it can be, but it is very covert and it's very subtle and it's, it doesn't, it doesn't manifest that way. And it's hard. I think it's harder to prove and harder to detect. So that leaves the safe prison sergeant, the Priya sergeant with, very little to do, right? So she's going above and beyond. And I remember at, at Crane, we, there was one. And I think she ended up at Mountain View. And I was like, oh my God. Like, you are not the property officer. You are not the compliance sergeant. You are not the warden. You're not the captain. There is no reason that you should be terrorizing everyone um, over this petty bullshit. This is why people don't report. This is why people don't come to you because they don't want all the extra that comes with it. Oh yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because it, it pisses me off something horrible uh, because it took a lot to get that law passed, that federal law passed. Um, and it's important to change the culture of, of bullying and, and, and reporting sexual assaults. But at the women's unit, it turns into this, and we talk a lot about the petty ass terrorizing. The it goes back to that psychological abuse. It's a bully move. Mm-hmm. It's a bully move. It, it's it's bullying, absolutely, hands down. Yeah. Intentional intimidation equals bullying. And when you enter somewhere, uh, when you enter a dorm and the women immediately get nervous because you're there, not because we're doing anything other right. than watching TV <laughs> or it. whatever, get, getting ready for the shower, you know, goodness, just situations like you can imagine going to the shower and, and having all your stuff there and then being like, oh, I forgot my whatever shampoo and going back to the cubicle and her coming through and you don't even you don't want you will risk losing the stuff at your shower before you leave the cubicle you're you'll risk it getting thrown out because yes. that's what's going to happen right. I mean it's 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 really ridiculous we have a couple really nice comments too uh-huh. 
uh, the, and that don't necessarily have to do with bullying, but maybe we could, the last couple of minutes, we should look at them. I, uh, this is interesting, right? Like I've, uh, me and um, uh, another lady that that's in our uh, advocacy group um, went to go visit some units in the Gatesville area, right? That's where the hub of the women's units are. And we visited some, some great programs that the actual, the prison system is actually moving in the right direction. Uh, we prefer not to have prisons, um, but quality education and, um, you know, really investing in, in the women uh, is great. Right. And I felt excited by some of it. And I saw the women really working in their reentry program and, and just, just, just yearning for, for positive stuff and success stories. And it's like, man, I really love this. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't do this. I can't be here yeah. because uh, I, I'm not going to be able to keep my mouth shut. And that is right. what there's there's no. There's Would you no ever work in a prison? Absolutely. Would you not. ever work in a prison? I I couldn't do it. And there would there's just too many factors. Just personally, I personally the feelings that come up from um, past trauma in prison. When I even enter the parking lot, I can't imagine walking in on a daily basis. I can't imagine seeing people, women are, um, when they're incarcerated, I mean, they're going, it's the lowest part of their life. They're, some of them don't know where their children are. They're losing family members and they're not able to be home. Just a whole, I, I could not not be compassionate I could not not hug someone who was uh -huh. distressed like that so definitely not for me there's another really good question too and thank y'all for hanging out with us uh, because both of y'all have been on with us all night and I appreciate y'all so much so uh, I'm going to read this question because some people might be listening and not seeing have y'all ever spoke with troubled youth girls that are headed down that prison route if they don't change their behaviors and actions. And thank you for the compliment because she goes on to say, if we haven't, we should consider it because she feels like we would be good. Yeah. Well, you know, Marcy, have you ever thought about doing, well, it's, it's really hard to imagine the system letting you go in to do anything because you give them the business straight up. Like you, you do like you put them on blast in a very public large forum. Um, so, but if you could, would, would you be interested in doing that? And so maybe, maybe TDCJ is not going to let me in, right? <laughs> you know, um, or, or, you know, I, I just can't imagine that being, that being, there would be too much probably fear from them that I would see something and then do a video on it and um, that kind of thing. But what about, high schools or, you know, I could see myself doing that. Um, just the interactions that I've had with college classes. And mm -hmm. that's not necessarily, I mean, not to say that college kids can't be troubled in different ways, but I don't think that's probably the demographics you're thinking. You're thinking more along kids that could be on the prison pipeline, right? So they're coming from troubled homes traumatic childhood, substance abuse disorders, mental health issues. Um, and yeah, I would definitely love to get involved in something like that for sure. Yeah. I, I think cool. that talking to, to, to youth, um, even when uh, we had had that visit in Gatesville and I'm, I'm hoping to go to one of the graduations, uh, just because those kids, you know, they were like, well, they don't open up to anybody. And as soon as y'all started talking and they, saw y'all, uh, in, in your story as young women, um, as teenagers in the system, uh, they connected immediately. I, it, again, it, it's just so, so hard to do that in a carceral setting because the things I feel like carceral settings want you to, I worked hard. And if you do bad, you're going to get in trouble and go to prison. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I want to tell them like you need mental health resources and, and talk to them in a way that's very real. And I think, the state would prefer a polished feel goody thing. Um, but I, I definitely would, would love to do more motivational things in the community for sure. 
yeah, a community wise, I think it's just the same thing. We, we've seen too many rough things inside. I think to, I think I've closed that door on myself. Right. (laughs) Right. So, uh, any, any last thoughts? We're at our hour. Any last thoughts on bullying, Jennifer? Prison bullying? I'm so glad that we are who we are today and we survived all that. And, um, the things that we had to do to survive, uh, Marcy, never, there's never shame there. It's just a learning experience. So I, I, I hope that you know that. And everybody else that's listening is, is, you know, I hope that you know that. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. We appreciate it so much. Thanks for uh, commenting and participating. And we will see you next Wednesday, Marcy? same time, same place. Do you yeah. want to tell them what we might be talking about next week? Did we decide? We did. <laughs> we were going to talk about mental health. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, next week, same time, same place. We're going to be talking about mental health in a women's prison, especially Texas prisons, and how that's handled and how that helps you get to prison in Texas having mental health issues. Yes. Yes. Thanks everybody. Bye y'all.